podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Brutal Nation, a podcast series that's dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. Yay! I still got to get the I got to download that sound effect. Uh, I didn't have my phone ready. I was too busy bringing up the file that I totally spaced off. What I, I was, was just doing. trying to beat you to the punch anyway. But I'm just yeah. going to start. I'm just going to start layering those in. Yeah, I'm your host Scott Alexander. Right across from me is Miss Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, hi, Tam. <laughs> Where is this Tam you speak of? No, kidding. <laughs> this isn't the Tam you're looking for. This isn't the Tam we're looking for. I know, right? Move it along. Move well, along. it's really weird because, I mean, you and I have talked about this because I've like reconnected with a friend of mine from back in the day. And he was the one that always called me Tam Tam. And it's like, no, every time I get a letter from him, it's like, and yes, he writes like old folks used to. <laughs> he was like, hey, Tam. Hey, Tam. I'm like, nobody has called me that in years until you did that one time in the podcast before I even reconnected with him. Tony, man, it's ESP. So, Extra Scotty power. Yeah, well, it's just really weird hearing somebody call me that again. <laughs> so you're presenting today. I am presenting again today. So tell, us, tell everybody what day we're on and what you are presenting. We are on Thursday, thought-provoking Thursday. That's where I thought we were, but honestly, yeah, can't remember. I know our days have been melding together so well, much. No, it's because I showed you that picture from when I was sixteen or seventeen, and I looked stoned. You know, so now I know why you are always forgetting <laughs> shit. Because yeah, dude, he I'm, looked so stoned that I almost got a contact high looking at the picture. That's why I feel high right now, man. And I've never seen a picture of you with hair, so that was kind of amazing to me. Oh, I got kind of amazing. He had hair. I got a picture with me and my son when he was first born. We were still cute. Your before, son was cute? Yeah, before he was a pain in the ass. Wow. I, you know, I say that about my son, too. He was cute. But then, you know, I know what's funny about this is my son was born C-section, right? Right, right. So he didn't have that funky-shaped head at all. And I always laugh because when he was born, I thought he was the most beautifulest baby I'd ever seen in my life. But then he's mine. Um, so he's going to be good-looking good anyhow. <laughs> but anyways, but to say that, I would look at his baby pictures and I go... Damn, you weren't that cute because he had the big old freaking too big for his body head and everything. <laughs> and it's like, I look, I'm, I mean, I look at baby pictures and go, why did I think you were so cute? <laughs> you see, I'm, a, I'm one of those, well, you know me, I don't beat around the bush. Um, every, oh my God, your baby's so cute. I'm annoyed. He, he looks like fucking Elmer Fudd. That's what he looks yeah. like. He's not a cute baby. He, he became a cute baby, but that yeah. was like about a month in. Anyway. Yeah. Who no. are we presenting today? I am presenting. I'm. This one is kind of a plus. I mean, if it's a touchy whether he was or was not a better known serial killer. Um, however, the situation regarding on how he was caught was very intriguing to me. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw caution to win in features I anyways. I thought. That this name sounded familiar. Yeah. I just I, I couldn't. I can't place. Well, the you will in about. I don't know if you will in a minute or not, but like I said, he was a little bit, it was more famous in California area because he's fr- out of California, LA area. Okay. Like what year? Um, well, he started in the late seventies, early eighties. Oh, okay. so, however, I'll explain more in a minute. However, like I said, there was a lot of controversy around when he got, when he got caught and so it did kind of make national news. However, considering how he was caught, I think I, I wanted to highlight it here. And there's another one that I'm going to highlight, too, that's also been more in the news, but 
it's because of the situation on how they were caught and, you know, the dormancy and everything that I want to address. Cool, so, cool. Lay this it on guy me. is Lonnie David Franklin Jr. He has several monikers. You ready? And First a long one, fucking name. God dang, shorten yeah, that shit up, Lonnie brother. Lonnie David Franklin Jr. That doesn't even roll off the tongue. It doesn't, man. It's actually painful to say that yeah, shit. Yeah, like Apollo Anton Ono Bay. You know how that rolls off the tongue. Um, his So his monikers are, he has three. The first one was the South Side Slayer. Um, then he was called the 25 Auto Killer. And then in later years, he was dubbed the Grim Sleeper. And I'll explain that one in a little later. At first when you said it, the Grim Sleeper, that sounded really cool. Doesn't it? Until I sat there and thought about it. Go, That's fucking stupid as shit. Oh, no, you'll understand. You will understand. It has nothing to do with his crime. Yeah. So I do. Insert sound effect here. This, I mean, this kind of really goes, this quote also very much ties into this whole thing, but it'll all become clear in a little bit. A lion's work, a lion's work hours are only when he's hungry. Once he's satisfied, the predator and prey live peacefully together. The lion Chuck sleeps Jones. tonight. In the, I, was, I was just listening to Otis and I was listening to Lucas and Tool on the way over here. And it's actually my second or third time listening to it since we, since we uploaded it. Because that one, every time I want a good laugh, I'll sit down and listen to Tool and Lucas. Um, but before I get started, I promised somebody I would do this. Um, Brenna from Dutch Brothers and Cornelius. Shout out, girl. You know you're my heart. I love you. Well, Dutch Brothers is amazing. I know, not, but... We need them as a sponsor, because I tell you do. what, it wouldn't even be money. Give me more Dutch Brothers coffee. I know, right? And no. for those of you that don't live in the Pacific Northwest and don't have Dutch Brothers, God, I feel they bad for you. They have some in Colorado. Get the fuck out, really? They have some in Colorado. I've heard they have some in California, and I heard they're expanding further out. Holy shit, nice. Yeah, but no. So, Brenna, you know I love you. You're my you're my fave, girl. Um, But anyways, okay, so let's talk about Lonnie. Lonnie David Franklin Jr. was born in, on August 30th, 1952. I have my reading glasses on, and I'm just at that out-of-touch range, but it's too close for my other ones. It's known that Franklin grew up in south-central L.A. Damn, that's rough neighborhood, <laughs> However, man. However... I have done some extensive research, and you could probably do a, do a little bit more, but I still haven't found much on his early childhood at all. Bizarre. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Especially too. being from L.A. in that time period, because, you know, California... Yeah, early 50s. When it comes to, like, keeping records and shit like that, California yeah. has always been kind of on top of that shit. Mm-hmm. They're like the nosy neighbors Actually, that know what you're West doing. the West Coast period has been very good about that shit. No, that's very true. You know, California's yeah. like that nosy neighbor, though, that knows oh, like, God, oh, yes. did, you sounded like you had diarrhea I this morning I type of thing. always check into records because we have a temple in the Hillsborough area for the Mormons. They keep genealogy on everybody. Sweet. All right. Let's talk about but, Lonnie. Yeah. Anyways, so let me talk about what is known about him. At some point prior to 19, April of 1974, he joined the United States Army. However, he'd be given a dishonorable discharge on July 24th of 1975. Now, I want to make it uh, clarify something here. Uh, several sources say he was given a general discharge, and this is, in fact, not true. Army records indicate it was a dishonorable discharge, and that's because 
he was released from prison for the charge of and conviction of a game raping a 17-year-old girl Jesus while he was in the fuck. military. According to the reports, in April of 1974, Franklin, along with two other servicemen that were stationed in Stuttgart, Germany. Stuttgart. Were, Stuttgart? Stuttgart, please. I, you know what, whatever, I can't You are from that. America, you can you. I don't you have needs, that guttural, like, You need to pronounce the names of Germany correctly. Stuttgart. 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 Whatever. <sighs> filthy American. Yes, I am uh, just a filthy white gringo. Anyways. It's uh, Mexican. It's not even German, Jackal. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I was just being sarcastic. Um, they were driving around town when they stopped to ask this young girl for d- driving directions. And then after she gave them directions, they asked her if she wanted to ride home. Since she had been so... Uh, yeah, since she's been so helpful giving them directions they were seeking, it was the least that they could do. So when she accepted their offer and got into the vehicle, one of them put a knife to her throat and they ended up driving to a field where they removed her from the vehicle and wound up raping her repeatedly, all three of them. What a way to say thank you. Good yeah. going, dicks. Now, listen to this. She actually, and for this era although it was 70s though women were more like up on protection you know protecting themselves yeah we were coming out of the 60s and you know free love and all that shit right so um sometime during the rape she was actually able to feign interest in franklin and when she asked him for his phone number he gave it to her (laughs) and this is why police identified him yeah this is why he they able to identify him later and during the gang rape, one of the attackers actually took photographs of the assault, which is going to come into play a little later. Ooh. Yeah. So once he received his dishonorable discharge, he would go back to South Central, <laughs> where in 1989, he would get ch- charged, I said ch- charged and convicted of two charges of theft, as well as... Um, one misdemeanor assault charge and one battery charge. Okay. He only served time for one of the theft charges. And he at some point would also get married and have two children. Like I said, very, very little known about him. What the hell happened? Oh, I hit the, I hit a key. Sorry. My computer did something funky. And I didn't know what was going on. Um, so very little known about his life, right? Now, um, during this time, a bunch of investigations were starting to go on in the LAPD area because this was a cold case for decades. Okay, so they, the, a lot of the information I could find treated it as if it was an unsolved that just got solved later. So I have to kind of approach it that way in my presentation. Um, and I even say that this is going to take some thought process, but quite frankly, I'm still going to try to sort it all out for you and I'll do my per- best to provide the information that I could find at some point in the mid eighties, Los Angeles police department. And I'm going to get on my soapbox in this one. Usually it's you that does it. Um, but I'm warning people in advance. If I get a little heated, I'm sorry. This case just pissed me off. Um, so at some point in the mid 80s, Los Angeles Police Department or LAPD started to realize that there was apparently a serial killer in their community that was targeting black women that were known to be drug addicts and prostitutes. OK, All right. at the time, this unknown killer was referred to as the Southside Slayer. 
because he was thought to have stabbed and strangled approximately 13 prostitutes between 1983 and 1985. There was even one point in the investigation that the killings were referred to as the strawberry murders because, for those who don't know street slang, a strawberry is the slang term for a woman who trades sex for drugs. Um, oh. NWA actually says a strawberry is somebody who trades her pussy for crack. But I you know. actually did not actually know that because I've never. Okay, th- you didn't know that? I didn't know. And well, don't give me that look. Let me explain. Because when I was using, I uh, didn't use at the street level. No, but I know. Oh no! You know I, what I mean? I mean, I no, wasn't I hanging thought out. You said you did know that. I'm like, how did you know that? You don't listen to gangster rap. No, I had but... no freaking idea what the hell that was. Oh, no, okay. when, yeah. when I was using, I was you know getting it a little higher up the chain. <laughs> you were getting it a little higher up the drafts, pussy. <laughs> That's like that picture you saw today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, huh? No, no, and and because yeah, it is the very lowest level of like crack smoker that you can find on the streets as far as females go. Well, no, and it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense, you know. And I, I would imagine guys are in that same position too. You know, when you're an addict, you're an addict. Yeah, you know. So if yeah. you ain't got no money, and you know, I imagine guys are blowing. We always for call fucking... them carpet cruisers when they come around our house looking for drugs. We go, "You cruising the carpet? You can't find anything on the ground anymore. You gotta come to me." <laughs> so glad I was never that kind of an addict. I know, right? Which is so that's why they called them uh, the strawberry murders because they thought that is what was happening with the murders. Okay, they thought it was just people targeting women who were. You know, giving sex away for drugs. Um, by 1985, the LAPD held a press conference. 1985. Mind you, these murders started in 1983. All right. So okay. two years later, the cops yeah. are, huh, maybe we need to ask some questions. Yeah. By 1980, September 90, 1985, the LAPD held a press conference, at which time they described the case to the public and asked for any tips. However... Despite their press conference, they were heavily criticized, and for good reason, to their failure to alert the South Central community prior to that point that there may be a serial killer in the area. Also, prior to the press conference, community activists would gather for weekly peaceful protests outside the LAPD headquarters with one main goal, to get the department to form some sort of task force to look into the murders that were occurring in their community. Now, I'm going to give you some perspective here, okay? So you don't think I'm just, like, getting mad at the police force. Um, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, was active from April of 1984 to August of 1985, okay? So he even started after these did. Right. And there was a large amount of attention given to that case. Keep in mind, Ramirez targeted women in upscale areas of L.A. and San Francisco. So I believe the activists, led by Margaret Prescott, were justified when they felt and accused LAPD of indifference when it came to the deaths of the women who happened to be poor, black, drug drug addicts, and prostitutes. You know what? I was just going to, while you were saying that, I was going to agree. I was going to say that almost the same thing. You know... uh, and that's what I was going to say about Richard Ramirez. They, yeah, they caught him in short order. Yeah, he had a huge task force assigned to him. Yeah, they, 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 they took care of him in short order because he's after elderly women who are upscale and committing these horrible crimes. And yeah. I, I, I still in my heart bleed to, even to this day, if a hooker dies, then the cop's like, eh, just another dead hooker. Yeah. If a junkie dies, eh, just another dead junkie. Yeah. But at the end of the day, these are still people. Exactly. They are still God. daughters. They are still sisters. They are still 
cousins. They are still mothers. They are still friends. And I love putting things into perspective for people to think about. I know that a lot of you will look at a junkie and go, God, ah, a worthless fucking junkie. Guys, here's a, here's a newsflash for you. Not all junkies are poor. That's I'm a junkie. True. And I, I just don't use. I've been clean for 19 years. I'm a junkie. Am I a piece of crap? Well, no, I'm kidding. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know I'm but that's, just giving you a That's hard the time. whole point of it right no, there. Exactly. You know? That is. A lot of people And look, people can improve. That's, that, that's my that's point. That's true, too. People can change their lives and people can improve their lives. Just because somebody's using today doesn't mean that they won't be better in the future. That, that yeah. That's all I was getting at. You know, exactly. Because, you know, this December, I will have been clean for 28 years. 20? Oh, my God. That's you got me beat half by my 10 life, fucking dude. years, man. Dude, you know, because I'm awesome. Yeah, you're all right for a white girl. I know. That's what you keep telling me. Anyways, the LAPD would, of course, like, you know, cops and people in authority are, tend to do, they denied all the allegations put forth by the protesters. But when there's obvious discrepancies, what else is the community supposed to think? Exactly. I mean, I let's, mean let's call a spade a spade yeah, here. Obviously, if these murders were happening in 1983, you knew they were happening in 1983, yet you didn't even tell anybody until 1985 that something was happening? Well, there, we, we You had, know what? There's, that's fucked up. We have good comparisons, though. Because, like, you remember when... Uh, Sharon Tate, she Correct. was the victim of, yeah, the one Charles of, the, Manson. Of, the, yeah. of the Manson family, right? Mm-hmm. When she was killed, the cops swarmed that like a, like a fucking a plague of locusts. They were all over that like shit on, I mean, like flies on shit. Yeah, like no, stink it, on it, a skunk. Exactly. But if the Manson family would have been out there killing hookers and people who are oh, indigent, yeah. I'm fairly sure with, I would go 99% probability that they'd be like, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, and if you think about you know, I the guess era, eventually we'll get we'll solve it. If you think about the era and the area it was in, if they would have been out there killing prostitutes and homosexuals, nothing would have been done. Right. I, I also, before you continue, I, I want to add, I do fully support law enforcement. So if you're in law enforcement too. and you're sitting there going, "Oh my god, he hates cops," no, man, I appreciate everything that you guys do, yes. except for Vancouver PD. Um, <laughs> that's side a, note, side note. <laughs> For Vancouver PD, but no, no, uh, I do too. I have mad respect for him because, from my own experiences, from being arrested and dealing with cops and even getting pulled over, except for Vancouver PD, um, I would say that the majority of the cops are just honest, hardworking people. They are. They're out there. They're doing a job, and they get shit on every freaking day. Yes, you I know? mean, you always have a bad apple in the bunch, but you, that's what any do. job you have. Unless it's Vancouver PD, and it's the whole damn police force. It's but, the whole damn bunch. Yeah, I just, and they have one good apple. No, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but then they'll turn him soon too. Yeah. <laughs> that worm or will her, get invested. Anyway, go ahead. No, so by January of 1986, <sighs> there were actually a total of fifth, and I'll explain more in a minute. There were a total of 15 murders that they were linking to this case. By this time, there was actually an LAPD, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, joint investigation known as the Southside Slayer Task Force. And they added some more detectives to help solve the case. However, it would still remain unsolved. Even with a reward of $10,000, which, I'm sorry, is pittance compared to what they would have given a reward for somebody, you know, we've seen it way higher even back then. Oh, yeah, even back then. That was being offered. By this time, Prescott formed her own group. She formed a community group that called themselves the Black Coalition Fighting Back Serial Murders. And in March of that year, they put pressure on the police force, the task force, to increase that reward to 25000 Yet, it would still 
you know, nothing would come of it. Later that same year, a wrench was thrown into the investigation, so to speak. Authorities were receiving conflicting suspect descriptions as well as modus operandi. So they began to doubt their original theory on this, on the case of there only being one killer responsible for all the murders. They were leaning toward the evidence showing them that there were perhaps several, maybe as many as four people who were out murdering the women of South L.A. Okay? It's like their own little homicide club they yeah. think is going on here. Well, it, I'll explain more in a minute here. But due to the lack of results in relation to the accrued expense and the amount of manpower used, the task force of this case began to wind down somewhere in 1987. And the commander of that, at that time of, of the task force, Lieutenant John Zorn, that's a I love that name. That sounds like a superhero it's, name. It kind of does, unless you want to attach something like Peter Zorn. You'd think porn. I'm thinking Zorn. Like, who do we call in to solve this case? Zorn. I am here to save you. <laughs> like Rip Torn. No, I'm kidding. No, that's way different. <laughs> I know. That's glitter and gayness all over the place, man. That's a way different I podcast. Know. He told the LA Times in December of 87 that the flow of clues is almost non-existent at this point. Okay. So they opened an investigation looking at possibly multiple killers. And over the years that, that followed the disbanding of the task force, it was found actually that others had killed some of the victims attributed to the Southside Slayer murders. Serial killer Lewis Crane had committed at least two of them. Then serial killers Michael Hughes, Daniel Lee Siebert, Chester Turner, and Ivan Hill. Are you... F- is Ivan Hill part of one of yours? No. Oh, okay, because I know you None said None of those Ill- are. Okay. Well, I know some of these are on our list, so. Right, right. No, that has nothing to do with they my were, special Friday episodes. Okay. They were all shown to have committed at least one each. They also determined that some of the murders were one-offs committed by the victim's pimp or client, none of which were related to any serial killings. Fair enough. Okay, that's why the number was so high up there, because they were just taking right. all the stabbings and shit. Well, and, and fair enough, because, you know, as much as I just gave accolades to conductors and saying that they're, they're people, right. you know, y'all kind of get killed by your pimps and clients sometimes. I was going to say, they are in a very, very dangerous profession. Very. Because, as you and I have mentioned, it is not regulated. Yeah. If exactly. they were just regulated, they'd be safer. That's all Le- I'm saying. Legal pussy. It's amazing. That's what Scott wants. Legalized <laughs> pussy. <laughs> you always start talking, then as soon as I go to take a puff, you stop. Jackass. You're welcome. I know. When it came to the murders of Judith Simpson, Cynthia Walker, and Latanya Johnson were committed in late 88, but were investigated by the Southside Slayer Task Force, all of the women were killed with a 9 millimeter pistol. So, they were all linked. At one point, a sheriff's detective by the name of Ricky Ross was arrested for those murders after he was caught with some drugs and a prostitute in a vehicle which, in a vehicle which also had a rusted 9mm Beretta semi-automatic in the trunk. I almost put nothing like getting caught with your pants down, but <laughs> then I wasn't you. <laughs> I tripped and fell into this hooker. Really? I just tripped. It's an accident. I don't know how she or the drugs got into my vehicle. Honestly, I'm an officer. <laughs> the wind just blew really hard and just blew both right. these in, pussy and drugs. Yeah. Is it, wasn't it one of our news articles in our Scotty and Squad show where he tried to say that the drugs that's what flew I was thinking. into I was, his vehicle? That's what I was trying to remember where I'd heard that. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> That's actually a real quote from yeah, real quote the show. from some guy. Yeah, as you can expect, they <laughs> tested the gun and arrested Ross for the murders when tests determined it was forensically linked to the bullets used in the murders. However, they sent it out for independent analysis, which determined it was highly unlikely that gun was in fact the murder weapon. So, needless to say, he was released from jail, and those murders were unsolved. Right. You know why that is, right? little ballistics thing for you, because I know my firearms. Uh, you know what striation marks are? Yes. Okay, so, like, let's say you have a 9mm Beretta. Yeah. Well, it's not like there's different molds that they use for the fluting that goes inside that barrel, right? They're all the same. How it changes is based on the ammo that you shoot... Uh, okay. You know, uh, how hot the round is, and how much gunpowder is behind it, and things like that. That That's what changes. That's where you get special, like, uh, almost like tooling marks, but from the bullet. Okay. So if you're shooting nothing but lead rounds, mm-hmm. well, that's going to have a different effect on that barrel than if you're shooting all, uh, let's say, copper jacketed, you know, full metal jackets. Yeah. You know, or wad cutters gotcha. or anything like that. So, yeah, that, that, that's what changes just, it. You are throwing out make-believe terms now because <laughs> wad cutter, that just sounds like something, no. No, a, a wad cutter. So, what it is, is you have the casing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not even a, a full bullet. It's just, it's kind of, it's just flat on top. And the reason for that, it started, uh, I think, I want to say World War II or Vietnam or something like that, where going through the trenches, they would stuff the end of the... Uh, the barrel of the gun with like a piece of paper or mm-hmm. a small piece of cloth to keep the water from backwashing in. So gotcha. that first round being flat would push it out. Gotcha. And then at the end of the clip, you'd have what's called tracer rounds, which are phosphorus rounds and they light up. They, oh. they actually catch on fire. So you know that you're, you know, so many rounds away from the end of that clip. Oh, good. You know, good to know. I don't know very much about guns because, like I said, I even though I wanted one at one point, I never ever actually have even fired a gun. We need to go and have. An I know adventure. you keep telling me that, but I love the firing range. <clears throat> there's actually a gun range right like down the road from me. Yeah, there's, honestly, there's one in Delta Park, right around the corner from where I get my smokes, and there's one here in Vancouver that's really nice. Oh, and you can rent guns and all kinds of shit. But oh. anyway, go ahead. Okay. Anyways. How to kill hookers with rented guns. Next I know. On, next on uh, next Brutal on Nation. Brutal Nation. Um, there, were, there was also another group of murders linked by the use of a twenty five caliber firearm. As the murder weapon had also remained, and these had also remained unsolved, and they could not link them to any of the other known serial killers at that time. The first known victim in this series was a lady by the name of Deborah Jackson. In August of 1985, in August of 1985, sorry, they were able to link her murder to the murder of Henrietta Wright in August of 1986 by the forensics associated with the weapon. However, by 1987, there would be a total of seven victims that were linked since they were all killed using the same gun and they had all been shot in the chest at close range. Holy shit. Okay. So, by all accounts, the murders of the women in the early 80s, 80s up until the murder of Deborah Jackson in 1985 had been solved, except for those three with the 9mm, by linking them to other serial killers or proving they were one-offs. So, when I look at it this way, I can understand why there was so much confusion within the task force. Oh, okay, no, I, can, I can totally understand because a little preview of what we're doing for this Friday and then oh yeah 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 yeah. That, um, and you guys will see this if you pay attention to our Fetish Fridays for the next three, is that 
I'm or fe- four. Or four. I'm featuring very three very specific serial killers that they all thought were the same guy. Right, right, to the right. the point that they gave him the same moniker. Yes. Because they... And, I remember that. And they didn't even know each other. That's what, yeah. that's what gets me. They didn't know each other. They're killing people and, dismember- and, and disposing of them in the exact same way. Isn't that weird? I thought I, I found that really fascinating, especially when I, when yeah, I got deeper and deeper in. they had no concept of each other, which goes to prove that saying, I mean, that... That that point we brought up the other day is that that any given time there are and I've we've said thirty because that's the number that was thrown out there different active serial color, killers in the nation running in some of them in the same area right oh, so that's that's what I brought up uh, in my opening quote about uh, I can't remember what episode it was but uh, where serial killers eat at your table they live next that door that was the family killer family killers that was it yeah yeah you know. My cross-the-street neighbor could be a serial killer for all and I know. And we just don't even know until he's arrested 30 years from now. Then I'm going to sit there and go, he was such a nice, quiet person. I'm, like sh- I'm shocked it wasn't me. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys didn't catch me, so that's a good day. <laughs> good day. Good day. So anyway, so I can understand why there was that confusion, especially since they were receiving conflicting information that suggested multiple murders. And we also have to remember that this is a time before everything was digitized right so they were going through paper files they weren't like looking up computer files so and they our, were just saying okay all these women had been stabbed and all of our favorite thing microfiche oh god because you that. and i are old enough to remember Dude, microfiche. microfiche i i have a headache every time you say the word microfiche yeah um, <laughs> a little butt puckering in yeah it? but you know so they were looking at all these women had been stabbed they must all be connected right you know so i can get that however um they were receiving that information because up until that point, there were multiple murders, period. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they handled this whole thing appropriately, especially since they didn't form a task force for nearly three years from the point the murders were being committed. However, when they finally decided to do something about it, a little late, the information they had that they could prove wasn't adding up and for a good reason right you know and well like you said multiple murders but not just multiple murders because people die all the fucking time and get murdered but it's multiple murders of a select group of people exactly because they were all drug addicted prostitutes right you know they're you know they're they're all in that same group like if it was this, a yeah so it was a whole yeah. bunch of uh you know like white guys you know, who are fat and bald that died that play guitar that play guitar then hey that's a group of people <laughs> yeah yeah. Then I'm hiding in my house with my guns all around me going, okay. Fuckers Just don't touch me. my guitars, damn you. Kill me. Don't don't <laughs> touch my fucking guitars. That's right. I will come back and I will <laughs> beat your ass. Um, so now we're going into some investigations that happened in the 2000s. Yeah, I'm jumping ahead. After many years of seemingly inactivity, in May of 2007, a lady, a 25-year-old girl by the name of Janicia Peters was killed and through use of DNA analysis because now it's available her murder was linked to at least 11 other unsolved murders in LA holy shit the first one she was linked to was one that occurred in 1985 also in 2007 the LAPD secretly formed what they called the 800 task force This task force was headed up by the robbery homicide unit, and it had a total of six detectives working on it. Mind you, they formed this task unbeknownst to anybody in the public. However, there were whispers, whispers that people were listening to. 
on you like how I did that? I did because you do that shit. <laughs> on a, an LA Weekly investigative reporter by the name of Christine Pelisek conducted a four-month-long investigation into those whispers and rumors and finally broke the news that the task force did, in fact, exist. She broke the news that there was a link between Genesia's murder and earlier murders, and most of all, she broke the silence that Mayor Antonio Villa... Villa... Gregosa? I can't pronounce his name. Villagosa. Thank you. You're welcome. And Police Chief William J. Bratton had in regards to the fact that the killer was still out there and active. Let's be clear. Remember when I said that the community of South Central was upset that they had not been notified back in, oh, I don't know, 1985? That there was an active serial killer in the community? Remember how the police force denied that their lack of communication had anything to do with the fact that it was an impoverished area and the victims all seemed to be poor, black, drug-addicted prostitutes? Remember? Uh Well, here it is, 2007. New mayor, new chief, same behavior. Again, (laughs) there was no press release, nor was the community warned. The families of the victims in most of these cases didn't even know until Pelisek broke the story that their daughters had long been identified as a victim of a serial killer. See, and that's the problem that we still have in this world, you know. And and, uh, before I go on with my little soapboxy thing like I always do, you know, I'm not saying that any ethnic race is better than other and needs any more attention. I think that all races do. Yes. Because it's, it's not about race. And that's what people don't understand. It, it has nothing to do with if you're black, you're white, or whatever. No. It has to do with your income level. Mm-hmm. You know? And that it, it's sickening. Because, okay, let's take, let's take the color out of it. It's a poor white guy. Yeah. And he gets murdered. And you can see that, you know, 20 other white guys just like him with blonde hair and blue eyes that uh, drive... I don't know, Chevy trucks were all murdered. But if they're all poor, guess what? And this is just how it feels to me. It seems like most of the time, prosecutors especially, don't give a shit. Yeah. Why? Because you're not given to a political campaign. Exactly. But you take those same guys, those same 20 guys that were murdered. And if they worked in a bank. They work in a bank. Let's say that, uh, let's say they make 60,000 a year. Okay, I don't know. Above poverty level, I have no idea what the median income level is. I'm just trying to put in perspective for you know. Then then they're sitting. They're sitting there going, and they're oh, we got to solve this immediately because somebody's killing people who you know who pay X amount in taxes, and it comes down to how much they're going to put in their pocket. Yeah, pretty much. It's prosecutors, man. Yeah, it's freaking. It's prosecutors, and it's it's local governments. Yeah. See, and I actually get on my soapbox a minute it, for just a split second. I get on it more later. I go, how fucked up is that? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, trying to say that all police are bad. And trust me when I tell you that I understand that some th- sometimes things happen. Mm-hmm. However, when you don't let anybody know that they may in fact be in danger, shouldn't you be also be liable on some level? Am I, I wrong? No, I, I, I agree with you on that. I think that they... that. If you're not warning the public, yeah, that you know, straight out tell them, look, look, somebody is hunting down young, and these are black girls, right? Yeah, they're young, young black, black prostitutes. Yes, you know, at least tell people at least once. Yeah, release a quick thing, and you know what? If you don't do anything or after that, go hang out flyers where they 
where they stand on the corner. Yeah, well, here's my thing. Whatever. Even if they don't do anything but one press release, Mm -hmm. at least you've got some information out there and some people can start to protect themselves. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. I just, it it sickens me that we talked about this before is that justice is not, they they say that, what is it? Justice is not, yeah, the scales of justice are not blind and equal. Yeah, they're not. You know, the justice for me is different than the justice for. And if you uh, okay. look at that like little clay. statue, her blindfold slipping. Like Clay. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, Clay works for me. Mm-hmm. You know, if he was to get busted for the exact same thing that, that I did, justice for him is going to be fucked. It is. Way Which different you would than step mine. up and loan him your attorneys, but I, I know you. No, I definitely would. He I would know. have uh, some of the best attorneys I know. on his side. But if you didn't heartbeat. know the person, I, I mean, I see. I right. know. It's true. It's a fact. It is a sad fucking fact. No, and, and it is. It's, it's kind of disgusting. So if you are in law enforcement, just please, folks in government and law enforcement, be kind. That's all I'm asking. And I'm also saying all these high-priced attorneys out there, do more pro bono cases. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, because they got clients like me that pay eight hundred dollars well, no, an hour or whatever. That's why they have clients they like me. you. Because I know I've heard somewhere, and I don't know if it's a fact that a lot of the higher price attorneys are mandated to do at least one or two pro bono cases a year. No, I have no idea. I believe that they should just give back. You know, no, shit. I I have a few attorney friends and uh, that that, do do that pro actually bono? do pro bono. That's good. Um, yeah, they uh, they kind of pick and choose what they do. Oh, of course, you know, because you don't they... want to take one that you're going to lose. <laughs> well, no, it's it's not just that you you want to really believe that your client is innocent. This is true. That's too. the way it was yeah. explained to me. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah, not like mob related, right? Yeah. Okay. So by early September of 2008, officials in L- Los Angeles were offering a reward of now five hundred thousand dollars to anybody who could help them catch this killer. This case was even featured on America's Most Wanted, and it aired on November 1st of 2008. It wouldn't be until February 25th of 2009 when Chief Bratton would finally address the press in regards to this case. Slow moving much there, Bratton? Yeah. Just asking. Yeah. Slow moving? Like, the freaking story was broke. I mean, it was like almost a year and a half later. I address that here in a second, too. Anyways, so... um. Uh, during the press conference, he formally dubbed the killer the Grim Sleeper, a name that was chosen by the LA Weekly. Um, because apparently this person lay dormant for 14, 12 to 14 years. I bet you in my That's heart That's why heart, he's called the Grim Sleeper. Okay, and I dig that, but I don't think that he stayed dormant that long. And oh, let me tell, I, I think he was You're getting ahead of me. At, oh, sorry. Am I way ahead? Not uh, way, way ahead, but you're getting ahead okay, of me, uh, Scott. The only reason I even said that is because with Put all the, the research on. we've done, people normally don't lay dormant that long. Put your brakes on, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm just saying the probability is fairly low. True. It was also during this press conference that he would release a 911 call from the 80s in which a male caller reported to have seen a body being dumped near Franklin, the town of the little subdivision Franklin. Um, not the not the guy who we're featuring. Right. I kind of. Yeah. I'm glad okay. that you clarified I just wanted that, to make actually. that clear. So the caller even gave a detailed description with a license plate number of a van. My nose itches. Oh, mom says I'm going to kiss a fool if my nose itches. So, Jay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the van gave a license plate number of a van that at the time was connected to Cosmopolitan Church, which has since been closed down. Okay. Oh, OK. Now. Well, in hold the, on. Well, was it closed at the time? 
that is what I'm getting conflicting reports on. So I'm not going to say yes or no. Oh, that, yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering. Like, is if it's if it's you're in getting the ahead of me, Scott. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> My brain runs a thousand it miles does. a no, second. No, and you and I think so much alike, but yeah, you're kind of getting a little bit ahead of me. Just give me a minute. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Look, pump the brakes, Scott. <laughs> you know, there was one episode we did when you didn't speak for the whole time, and every time I said something to you, you go, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And now this one, you're speaking away again. <laughs> so in the meantime, Pelisek wasn't going to stop her investigation and reporting. Frankly, I don't blame her, considering the fact that she broke the story on the task force where she pointed out the silence that was coming from officials, and it still took them over a year to break their silence themselves. <laughs> so, you know what? Investigate your heart away, little one. Right. Anything to help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In March of 2009, not long after Chief Bratton held his press conference, she conducted an extensive interview with a lady by the name of Anitra Washington, who was the sole survivor of these attacks. Oh. In the interview, Anitra described the assailant as a black man in his early 30s. He looked neat, tidy, kind of geeky. He wore a black polo shirt tucked into khaki trousers. She even went on to describe the interior and exterior of the vehicle he was driving. And the cops never mentioned this or followed it up? You're getting ahead of me, Scott. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm no, no. getting irritated See, with the exactly. Just, See, now you it. know why I was on my soapbox, right? Yep. Okay. So, there's even more investigation, a slice of pizza, and finally an arrest. Aren't you glad I didn't say donut? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> mm, donuts. <laughs> finally, in July, on July 7th, 2010, Lonnie Franklin was arrested and charged with 10 counts of murder. One count of attempted murder, and I never understand this, but it comes out of California a lot. Special circumstance allegations of multiple murders in the case. I've heard of that, and I know what it means, but for some reason, my brain, as soon as you said it. Does it have to do with they're tying him into other cases, but they can't prove it, so they're not charging him with the murders of them? I think special circumstances is in reference to the brutality of the murder. Oh, okay. So, like, for example, like, if, if I went next door and killed my illustrious neighbors that I bitch about all the mm -hmm. time, and I just went over there and just shot them, that's, that's murder. That's not a problem. However, if I go over there and I, you know, dismember them or rape oh, them or okay, anything okay. like that, those are some very special circumstances. Okay. Yeah, because I, usually I only hear about it out of, like, I've heard about it out of California and New York. I've never heard about it here, ever. So, I don't think it, like, applies everywhere. Maybe not. I don't, I'm just saying, I don't know. Which is odd, because usually I know about law, law shit. My son tells me I'm better than any lawyer he knows. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when L.A. County District Attorney Steve Cooley announced they had made an arrest in the case, he identified the subject as, uh, and I'm quoting him exactly, 57-year-old Lonnie David Franklin Jr., a mechanic who worked between 1981 and 1988 for the city of Los Angeles in the sanitation department and briefly for the LAPD. Franklin was identified for the arrest, at least in part, on familial DNA analysis, which I will explain in a minute. You realize that Lonnie Franklin has the same job as Aykroyd. Oh. That's Arthur Aykroyd. Yeah. Well, in the sanitation department? No, no. He was a mechanic for the state. Oh, 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 okay. 
Yeah. I got it now. So they, gotcha. they, they worked on not the sanitation part because that's uh, yeah, private mechanic. companies. Yeah, pri- but he was a mechanic yeah. for the state of Oregon. Yeah. No. Yeah. What the hell was his, his that middle name was Arthur? I can't remember what his first John name. Arthur Aykroyd. That's right. I just said Arthur Aykroyd. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. So same job. Yeah. During the investigations, although they recovered DNA from the crime scenes, they were unable to match it with any of the profiles already in California's database. That's when they broadened their search for stored profiles that showed sufficient similarity to infer there was a familial relationship. By doing this, they found similar DNA that belonged to a guy by the name of Christopher Franklin, which happens to be Lonnie Franklin's son. He had been convicted of a felony weapons charge in 2008. So his DNA was on file. Considering he himself was too young to have committed the early murders, since he had the familial match, investigators started looking at his father as the assailant in the case. Knowing this, the detectives then were able to acquire a slice of pizza, a slice of discarded pizza that Franklin had eaten to make the DNA link to the other cases. Now this is genius how they did it. Ready? Apparently... An undercover officer pretended to be a waiter at the restaurant where Franklin was eating. After Franklin was done with his meal, the officer collected the dishes, silverware, glasses, and the discarded pizza crusts in order to gather his DNA. After the DNA proved to be a match, authorities had enough evidence to obtain an arrest warrant, and the DNA matched from the DNA from the saliva on the pizza matched the saliva that was found on the victims. Does this cop want a jo- another job besides being a cop? I will hire your ass today. What? That is fucking amazing. Isn't that funny how he did that? That is freaking it's amazing. Like, I can picture him being like, shh, and then going over, picking up the dishes, and <laughs> like then taking it back, putting it in plastic baggies. That yeah. is freaking awesome. That's genius, right? So the guy didn't even know there was a cop amongst him. <laughs> Sorry, I had to drink a drink of water. My mouth is getting dry again. And you know, I bet you that Mr. Franklin thought that he was just slicker than well shit in an ice flow. Oh, you, you know, just don't even know. Getting away with all the 80s murders and everything like that and still killing, doing this thing. Yeah. You know, thinking, huh, they're never you know, going to catch I will, me. I will bring this up because we mentioned it before. The fact that he is an African-American male serial killer is like an anomaly. In itself. That's correct. The fact that he's an African American serial killer who's targeting African American women is almost triple anomaly. That's true. Yeah, however, African American serial killers, I've never heard of them targeting. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. that's weird. Yeah. And I will, I mean, I don't have it in my notes, but I will try to remember to address it a little later on. But um, now, this is the thing. Even though Franklin had been arrested in 2003 and convicted of, of a felony to serve three years of supervised probation, law enforcement just missed the opportunity to catch him since, for the murder since his DNA had not been collected, and here's why. It wasn't until 2004 when voters passed Proposition 69. Remember back in the day, Prop 69? Shut up, Scott. I'm not saying anything. You always have a Proposition to... 69, don't you? <laughs> well, I was talking to your mom. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I tried to take a puff. You pissed me off. <laughs> the proposition that now requires DNA to be collected from all felons and everyone arrested on some other specified charges. This proposition also required an expansion of the DNA database. And here's how he kind of slipped through the cracks. It was passed in, it was passed in November of 2004. Okay, um, 
he slipped through the cracks and remained a free man until 2010. Okay, so he was got convicted and put on probation. Oh three. It was until oh four November of oh four when that bill when that proposition was passed. Okay. While he was on probation, his DNA should have been collected and entered into the system. However, it was not done because probation officers weren't collecting samples from their group of offenders on supervised or unsupervised probation from November of 2004 when it was passed um, until August of 2005 when they finally received the resources to do so. So authorities had just missed the window of opportunity to collect his DNA. Ooh, damn, missed it by that much. Good old Maxwell Smart. Yeah, and considering he killed somebody in 2007? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know what? So when authorities searched Franklin's home, they found a multitude, and I'll explain in a second, of photos of women. They made several attempts to identify the subjects in the photos, kind of like Alcala, and they felt they could be potential victims. Remember when I told you that when he was charged and convicted of the rape in Germany back in April of 74, that one of the rapists actually took photos of the assault? I do. Uh, well, apparently it seems that the rapist that took those photos was Franklin himself. Because some of the pictures found in his home matched up to known victims. When they were unsuccessful at identifying the rest, they would release 180 photos to the public on December 16th of 2010 in the hopes of positively identifying them all. Holy shit, that's yeah. a lot of victims. Yeah. At the press conference, police chief Charlie Beck stated, these people are not suspects. We don't even know if they are victims, but we do know this. Lonnie Franklin's reign of terror in the city of Los Angeles, which spanned well over two decades, culminating with almost a dozen murder victims, certainly needs to be investigated further. Okay? So, all in all, authorities discovered well over 1,000 photos, as well as several hundred hours worth of video footage when they searched his home. Upon further investigation... Did you just raise your eyebrows? I did. (laughs) I'll explain why after you're done. Okay. Upon further investigation into the images and footage, they found that the images show mainly black women with a wide age range. They figure from teenagers to middle age and some some of them a little bit older. The women were often nude in the photos and footage, and detectives believe Franklin took the pictures, which show individuals to be both conscious and unconscious, and they date back at least 30 years. All of the photos that remained unidentified were finally released to the public. Did you have an interjection? No, I was just, the reason why I raised my eyebrows, so we've discussed this before that I'm a huge horror movie fan, Mm -hmm. and it struck me, I actually saw, I was watching one of my horror movie anthologies. Okay. And I I do a lot of those, so I like little tidbits of them. And one was a black guy, and okay, so his his daughter comes over to visit him, and you know, okay, hey dad, are you home? Oh, nobody's here. You know, wandering around the house, gets into his bedroom, and there's a black lady chained to his bed, oh. where he had beaten her and was killing her. And dad shows up, you know, blah blah blah, and uh, hey, don't worry, you're just like me. Go ahead and finish her off, stuff like that. And that's that's kind of what it reminded me of, except oh. there was no daughter involved. That just yeah, it that just weird? popped in my head. Yeah. No, totally weird. And you know the weird thing about this is, is I actually watched the documentary on the Grim Sleeper, 
And his wife was a very like prim and proper woman, went to church every Sunday and everything. And still, after he got arrested, went to church every Sunday, had held her head high and she had no clue. Because people who knew them said if he, she had any of idea, she would have turned him in herself. Good. Yeah. Good. I, you know, honestly, if, if that's true about her, I admire that. Because yeah. The, Don't let him bring you down, sister. I'm thinking, I got two trains of thought when it comes to that. One, either join in and be part of the problem. Yes. You know, then I can say, hey, you were standing by your men, helping them kill people. It's sick, but true. Or the complete opposite. Dude, you're murdering motherfuckers. Yeah, you need to be in jail. You need to be in prison. Yeah, don't just sit by and turn a blind eye. Yeah. That's don't be like this passive player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of sick in the head like that. You kind of so. you kind of are. Yeah, very. So, on November 3rd, 2011, <laughs> a major news source reported, it was actually Rutgers, um, reported the authorities were also considering Franklin as a suspect in six additional murders of female victims. Two of the six were potential victims killed during the 14-year dormant period that started in 1988, and several more that began again in 2002. Told ya. Yeah. Detectives are linking Franklin to these additional murders after they reviewed hundreds of old case files and with the public's help identifying individuals from the 180 photos they released in 2010. Okay? Fabulous. Let the trial commence. Ultimately, Franken was charged with a total of 10 murders and one attempted murder. He suspected in the death of an 11th victim, a black man, and I'll explain that in a minute. However, since there was no DNA evidence found on, the, on this victim's body, he was never charged with the murder officially. His trial started on Fe- February 16, 2016. After several delays and a lengthy pre-trial discovery hearing, the trial lasted for approximately two and a half months and the closing arguments began on May 2nd, and the jury broke for deliberation on May 4th. They would deliberate for only one and a half days before they came back with a guilty verdict on all counts. That long? I would have come back. I could. Yeah. I would have said, you know, we're, we're not even going to step out. We're going to yeah. do this right yeah. here. No, no need, Judge. Just no need. No need. Guilty Unless as fuck. Unless you want us to go get lunch, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guy's guilty as fuck. Yeah. We can obviously see that. There's no deliberating. Yeah. So the next step in the process would be his sentencing hearing, which began about a week or so later. And his hearing prosecutors presented even more evidence because they can now bring in the murders he he was linked to, but they didn't have enough evidence to charge him with. Okay. Right, right. So they presented evidence related to four other victims they feel he was responsible for. These four were not included in the original trial because they weren't identified at the time by DNA or ballistic links as his victims. They had only been identified after his arrest and whatever. As a result of, oh, of that, I had something else for it. And I was like, what does that mean? Three of the four victims, Sharon, Alicia Desmuke, Inez Warren, and Georgia Mae Thompson were only identified as potential victims by the task force. Um, that, by the task force that was actually investigating unsolved missing persons and homicides. And they dated it all the way back to 1976 when he got back from the army. Holy cow, yeah. man. The last victim in this set is a lady by the name of Rolenia Morris. And she was identified with evidence found in Franklin's garage that was collected after his arrest. Sadly, to this day, her body has yet to be found. 
She was only identified through the photos. Damn. These charges were not added to the original charges as the prosecutors did not want any further delay in the court, in the trial. Justifiably so. Yes. They got enough to go on Exactly. It. So, that being said, on June 6th, Franklin was sentenced to death by L.A. County jury. Then on August 10th, the Superior Court sentenced him on each count, naming, the in, naming all of the individuals. And however, Franklin would never get strapped to the gurney and his victim's family will never see his death carried out as they sit in a viewing room because on March 28, 2020, he was found unresponsive in his jail cell and he was pronounced dead at 7.43 p.m. that day. God damn it, his, another one. Yeah, his cause of death has yet to be released from what I could tell, and I searched for it, but, that, but what is known is that there were no obvious signs of trauma. Okay? Fucking ridiculous. Another one who got the easy way out. I actually prefer it when we get to hear him die. I know, me too. Damn. You know, fucking Aykroyd okay. was like that, this asshole. I know. So I'm going to actually give you a rough timeline of the crimes because it was a really convoluted what this is and this isn't and everything. So I'm not going to list all 17 victims here, but I will have that on the website when I post it. However, I do want to take a brief look at this timeline. I believe it is believed that Franklin's first victim was a 24 year old. 21-year-old woman named Alicia Desmuke, whose body was discovered in, on January 15th of 1984. His first known victim was 29-year-old Deborah Ronette Jackson, whose body was discovered on August 10th of 1985. His last known crime in the 80s was an 18-year-old Alicia Monique Alexander, whose body was found September 11th, 1988. Hold on. No relation to me. I was going to ask, but no. No, we... I knew that. I mean, no, we don't have any Alicia's in my family. Oh, and she's black. I was going to say, you're from Georgia. <laughs> you're from Georgia. There's no blackness there. No. Um, let's see here. Where was I? You freaking... Okay. Then there was the one sole survivor, a 30-year-old Anitra Washington, who I talked about earlier. After that... Franklin was thought to have laid dormant for 14 years or so because his next confirmed murder was 15-year-old Princess Cheyenne. That was her name. No, Princess I know. Princess Cheyenne Berth- like B-E-R-T-H-O-M-I-E-U-X. That's a southern name. Okay. It sounds like it's Louisiana Creole name, doesn't it? I'm not saying that word. You're not going to say it? No, just keep going, goddammit. <laughs> you know I love it when you say You're it. You're dick. Anyways, I am, but her body was found March 19th of 2002. However, there was one presumed victim, 43-year-old Georgia Mae Thomas, whose body was discovered in December of 2000. Okay? So this apparent 12 to 14-year dormancy is what earned him the moniker The Grim Sleeper. His last known victim is 25-year-old Janissa Levette Peters, whose body was found January 1st, 2007. Of the 17 confirmed and suspected victims, two victims, 18-year-old Aaliyah, I think I mistyped that one, something Marshall, and 31-year-old Rolina Morris have yet to be found. And investigators believe there are other unidentified victims during this whole time frame, from 1984 to 2007 because it's unlikely that a serial killer of his caliber would remain dormant for that long. Exactly. Okay. Now, when we look at his victims, all but one of them were black females, many of which were known prostitutes in the area. And Franklin 
was known to have regular contact with females in the sex trade. All of his victims were found outside, more often in alleys and all a short distance from downtown L.A. He murdered all of his victims with a 25 caliber gun, and he was known to keep many photos as well as lots of video footage of nude women as trophies, so to speak. The one other victim that didn't fit into Franklin's M.O. was the 36-year-old Thomas Sylvester Steele. Now, it's thought that he killed Thomas because Thomas was either a friend to another victim or he had discovered that Franklin was the killer. So, in essence, he had to be eliminated. Okay, that one makes more sense. because I've been thinking ever since you mentioned that he doesn't fit the victim profile. So, either he didn't kill him or there has to be an extenuating no, they, circumstance. They, linked his, they actually linked his murder to the gun but they were trying to get more evidence, and they didn't get it in time for the trial. Man, he fell on that gun. Yeah, right? <laughs> Anyways, so I do have some final thoughts, but before I get into my final thoughts, I read that his mo- whole motivation for doing these murders, and I don't believe it, was to point out the discrepancy of law enforcement's behavior when it comes to certain areas. It's like, okay, so I'm going out there killing Bullshit. to prove that you have a lack of interest in this area. Bullshit. You killed because you wanted to fucking kill. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, that, that's a fucking cop-out excuse exactly. if I've ever fucking heard one in my exactly. life. So, anyways, my final thoughts. Now, this is where I'm going to get on my soapbox. If I get a little loud, I apologize in advance. Sing it, sister. Okay, yeah, turn me down. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin when it comes to this case. Normally, I start my questions by asking if you think th- this is a case of nature or nurture. However, with little to go on when it comes to his younger years, I'm in a conundrum on this as well. However, knowing that he committed the rape back in the early 70s while he was stationed in Germany, I'm not exactly shocked that he progressed to murder when he got back here. Here's where I'm at, though. And pardon me if I get a little vocal. I understand that there are limited resources in some areas. I get that. What I don't get is that, to me, the authorities were somewhat negligent in this whole case, to say the least. From them not even notifying the public to the case, to the potential danger that was in the community back in the 80s is appalling to me. Because even in the case of Charles Albright, which happened in 90 and 91 in the Dallas area, after the second murder, police started to warn the prostitutes in the area to the potential danger. For this case, the murders, even though some weren't attributed to Franklin, went on for several years before the police even seemed to do anything about it. However... If he truly did lay dormant for 12 to 14 years, for them to know that the perpetrator was once again active in the area, for them to again remain silent, utterly disgusts me. Okay? Because we've said it before. These are human beings. Why is my mouth? Okay, there we go. I don't care if his victims were prostitutes. They were human. They were somebody's sister, daughter, mother, friend. Their lives are just as valuable as the lives of those who live in more affluent areas. When you take into account that Franklin was active around the same time that Ramirez was active, the only difference is that Ramirez was active in more affluent areas, so therefore more emphasis and manpower was placed on that case. Knowing this is knowing this is what makes me want to spit nails. I just want to spit, as my mom would say, spit. <laughs> okay, now that I'm off my soapbox, I didn't get as loud as I thought I would. Maybe it's because I've had a couple of days to calm down. Maybe. 
now that I'm off my soapbox, I do have a few questions for you. Shoot them at me. My first one should be obvious, but I'll ask it anyways. Do you believe he was truly dormant during that 12 to 14 year time span? Or do you think there are some more victims out there that just haven't been found or ID'd yet? A plethora of more victims. A plethora. Because no serial killer that we have researched has stayed dormant that long. I, I believe that if you're, if you're a serial killer or yeah. a serial rapist I, or, a, or yeah. even a serial burglar. Yeah. If he was in jail, I could understand that, but he wasn't. So Right. And you're out and about. I don't think that... Okay. So, so everybody has things that they do regularly. Okay? Okay. So if you're killing people regularly, so now you're a serial killer... There's always an escalation. You're not going to stay dormant for 14 fucking years unless you're locked up or you're incapacitated in some way. Totally. I think that there's probably another, at least another 20, 30 victims. Right. Just given how many they got him on in the pictures alone, 20, 30, at least 20, 30 more. Exactly. My whole thing right there. Hang on. I I had to make my screen, my letters bigger because, okay. Um... (laughs) Now, let's see here. Next point. Next question. Since you, I, and this is a two-parter, so let me ask both questions. Since he was only caught using familial DNA similarity, do you think that should be an automatic process when running a DNA analysis? And do you feel the same way? Oh, no. Wait. Oh. Okay. No, that's only one question. Sorry. Next, one, next one's part of the other one. Oh, okay. There's well, two questions thanks. for the thanks next for one. Sorry. I apologize. There. I think it should because I think that... You know, when you're dealing with people's lives, Mm -hmm. um, and I'll reiterate, no matter what your financial situation is, uh, where you are on the income spectrum, the quicker we can stop these people from killing other people or raping them or harming them in any way, by all means, man, if you're running it and say, hey, wait a minute, we arrested a guy named Bob back in uh, 2017. You notice that he has a, like, you know, pattern, similar pattern. Yeah. Yeah. uh, There's... So, you know, we and we found this DNA. Let's look at Bob's family because if it's from if it's something similar, right? Now you've got a place that you can go. Use yeah, you have every, a jumping off point. Use every fucking resource because there's laws in place for a reason. Yes, there's laws that protect us. That doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're Bill Gates mm-hmm. or if you uh, click welfare. There's yeah. laws that protect us all. Right. Um, and granted. Justice is not blind, and the, the scales are not equal. I will reiterate that. Not at all. But if if investigators can, yeah, and if it's get a, a, a jump start on it and go, hey, wait a minute, okay, we matched the DNA, and we we arrested this guy Bob back in like mm-hmm. you know 2017. Yeah, instead of just looking for like approximate matches, look for familial matches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, get that way. I, I think that that's a, a very viable and good resource to use. Because it it can limit so much pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. So much pain and suffering. So much. Okay, now the next one's a two-parter. I apologize. Okay. Do you feel the same way I do about the authorities totally dropping the ball in this case? And do you think that they should have put more effort and manpower into the investigation back in the 80s? Oh, and one more. Do you think that if they would have done that, then he would have been apprehended sooner. Hell no. They're just black prostitutes. Who cares? Let them die. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No. It's just, After I, you just said. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm absolutely appalled that even 
into the 2000s. The police department were still with that mentality. Yeah. And, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know everything. But it just seemed to me, by based on what you gave me, that they had that same mentality of, eh, they're black yeah. hookers. Why should we warn them? Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? You know, yeah. One less, uh, one less hooker. Yeah. yeah we and, don't care. And I believe that if they would have put even just a little bit more manpower into this investigation. I agree. He wouldn't have gone on that long. No, I, I totally agree. He would have been caught in the 90s at, at the very latest. You right. Know? And it probably would have saved, you know, tons and tons of, of lives. Money. Yeah, lives. And, and, and money. But and money. I also keep this in mind, you know, and I, I was saying this earlier in this very episode right here. That junkie you're looking at or that hooker. That you think is so gross, I'll bet you somebody at least really does love them. Might be their of mom, course. might be their daughter, might be their brother, might be their sister. You don't know their circumstance. Yeah, you unless don't you're the Vancouver know. PD, there's no love for them. No, um, yeah, you don't know why they're out there. You don't know why they're doing drugs. You don't know. You know. You right. don't know. And I and I don't condone using drugs and selling your pussy for money. Yeah, you know. Well, unless it's regulated, and there's a reason because uh, when it's regulated. There's protection measures. There's protection. It, it limits the transference of diseases. Exactly. Um, and things like that. That's, that's the only reason why I think that it should be legal. I mean, I, I've ne- honestly, I've never been with a hooker in my life. Not even one, unless you count well, okay, my Okay, you haven't paid a hooker, but... I've been with some pretty skanky I was going to say, shit, you've so. been in some pretty skanky... Where is Scott? I have. I've, I've had some pretty skanky trim. Um, you like that old 90s reference there? The word trim? I did. I, yeah. I liked how you threw that out there. Pretty yes. Cool, huh? Good job. <laughs> Good job. But, um, you know, I, it's the world old, world's oldest profession. I think that it should be regulated. Right. Because then we can protect. My thing is, is this right here. I bet you if we started researching, we would find that most hookers at least get victimized once. Oh, on a daily basis. When we were doing Albright's case, they were talking about how, you know, because the two officers that worked the hooker beat, were you know that were out there basically shaking hands you know trying to build a presence in the community we're talking about how they off every day they had a complaint of at least one one or more prostitutes saying that they had they got jumped bad which means they got beat up by their right dawn. right exactly because so, yeah. you know and and I can tell you this so I've been into a few whorehouses in my time I know um, we need to go to one I want to go to one so bad just to go I used to go to Donna's Ranch. Uh, when, when I was uh, driving for a company, I used to do a, a, a route from uh, uh, Lewiston, Idaho, down to Vegas. I heard they got some good booze. In the- I only stopped there because I, on the CB, the girls got on there and said, hey, we're having drink specials. It was like two-for-one beers. Or, and they said, for dinner tonight, we're serving either a camera pot or whatever. They said, ah, fuck it. I'll just go stop there. And they said, free shower and free conversation. Okay. And I said, okay, cool. Rock on. So I stopped there, and it ended up, like, every week, I would stop there, because and they, they knew where I was. They'd wake me up in the morning. They'd, hey, Scotty, what time you got to get up? I want to be up at, like, 3 I in the morning. I bet they did wake you up no, in they, the morning. Dude, they'd bring me coffee. Like, there'd be a little oh, knock yeah. like a doot, doot, doot on my door. Not really heavy. And I'd wake up, and it'd be like, hey, Scotty, good morning. We made coffee for you. Here's your coffee. Do you want us to make you something to eat? Are you hungry? We'll go make you some breakfast. They were great. Oh, yeah. And it's a, it, it was very much no pressure. And like I said, a free shower. So instead of having to go to the truck stop, yeah. you know, you go there. But when when uh, guys come in or, or even couples come in to get a, a prostitute, one of the girls, they get checked over by a doctor. Oh, yeah. You do a, a an on-the-spot uh, HIV test. Okay. I think that's what. But you get checked for all 
you know, your STDs, right? Everything like that. You still have to wear a condom. Oh yeah. There are guys there that are protecting the girls. Right, like bouncers. Like bouncers. Yeah. So, guess what? If a guy decides he wants to get a little frisky and, hey, maybe I want to beat the shit out of this uh, the, this chick, there's going to be some big guys in there. Right. They're going to beat your, your ass right. to the ground, drag you outside, and then call the cops, and they'll scrape you off the floor. Yeah. But they were always great to me. I, honest to God. I mean, I would sit there and they knew that I wasn't going to buy no pussy. I was going to say, and you're a consummate flirt anyways. You flirt like I do. I flirt with everybody. I don't flirt with anybody. I'm sweet and innocent. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, I would sit there and I'd, you know, I'd, have, some, I'd have, have some drinks and have dinner or, you know, and breakfast. Yeah. And they, they were fantastic. These are, these are people's oh, I it. daughters. They and, are. And yeah. what they choose to do for a living is nobody's damn business. Right. And that's, that's what's upsetting about law enforcement, I feel, in general. Is well, if you're, society in general. Let's well, put yeah. it that way. Okay, no, I'll go with that, too. Yeah. Even if you're a junkie, you can change your life. If you choose to. I was going to say, we are, like, I'm, perfect I'm li- examples of that. I'm living proof of that. Yeah. You know, I went from doing uh, uh, as many as two eight balls a day of Coke... Yeah. Uh, Look, I almost had a heart attack. Yeah. Holy I, shit, dude. I was doing coke from the time I got up to the time I went to bed and still slept fine and drinking a fifth of Jim Beam every day. Holy mother, holy Mary, mother of God. No, I thought, well, because meth was my drug of choice. And like I said, they've prob- they've essentially said that because I was like, I held two full-time jobs and every, I mean, I they said I was self-medicating because I didn't have the mental health meds that I have now. Essentially, you know? that's what I was doing yeah. based on my childhood and everything that you yeah. know about. Um, no, so, but, but yeah. You no, know, dude, I just had a so heart attack thinking I, about I that. I would bet that everybody that's in uh, my industry that I was working with at the time in the music industry. Dude, still. <laughs> you know, would, would sit there and go, oh, he'll, he'll never recover. Yeah. You know, especially after I died twice. Yeah, look at Sebastian Bach. And I still didn't quit even then. Yeah. And I bet you that they thought that I would end up in a gutter and die. Oh, yeah. And I've changed my life since then. I've gotten clean. I stay clean. Um, I wouldn't say I stay sober because I do smoke weed and and I drink. I don't drink very heavily. You You know, know, I'm good I mean, you have a full bar over there and I hardly ever see you touch it. No, I rarely. Sometimes I'll have a Jim Beam and Diet Coke. Yeah. But outside of that. I think I've drank more out of your bar than you have. uh Uh-huh. Because, you know. I love my liquor. Um, anyway, no, and the weird thing about that is, is you know, because the little commu- the town I live in is rather, I mean, kind of small compared to Vancouver and Portland and everything. But I knew a lot of the officers on the police force, and one of them even told me after my when my son was like seven or eight years old, he said, "You know, it's amazing to me to see you here today." I said, "Why?" He goes, "Because I thought you were going to be a call I was going to receive saying that there was a dead body in a ditch." Yeah. That's what a lot of people yeah. thought about me, man. Yeah. So, you know, that's I ran it rough and hard back then. Right, right. So you have another question for me? I have a lot more questions oh, for you. Oh, shoot them at me. I, I yeah, thought we I were am done, not but done. keep going. No. So, if they had the 911 tape back in the <clears throat> 80s that described the van and they linked the van back to a church, which is was probably still open around that time, if not it had just closed... Why were they not able to ascertain who had access to that vehicle at that time? Once again, they're just black prostitutes. Who cares? That's what they're. That, that, that's yeah. what it appears. And then to me I didn't even put in there that this the sole survivor described to a T 
his description and inside and outside of his vehicle. I was so they waiting. had that too. I was waiting for you to say it. That is honestly what appalls me the fucking most. Yeah. You have an eyewitness who survived. She got away. She's got an accurate description of this guy. Yeah, gives you detailed description. And you still sit there and go, eh, it's just a black hooker. Well, who cares? And you look at it this way. She was able to give the detailed description in the 2000s to a reporter, and it was still very vivid in her mind. Can you imagine what it was back in 1987? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, a- exactly, and that, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. They could have wrapped this up probably by 89, but nope. Like I said, oh, just a black hooker. Yeah. Who cares? They could have wrapped it up before they partied like it was 99. So, <laughs> anyways. Now I'm okay. singing that Prince song in I my know, head. right? You're going to all day. Yep. So, now, I, I think I might have more than one question, but this is, no, I think I only have one last question for you. And I'm just going to throw this question, this last question at you simply because when I watched the documentary on this, it was asked there. Do you think his son should feel at all responsible for his father getting caught? Hell yeah. But you know what? Take pride in that, son. Take pride in that. Oh, really? Because when I heard that question being asked, I was like, what? Why should that? And I said, but the son said something that I think is epic. And I'll share it here. He said something along the lines that a lot of people blame him considering it was his DNA that ultimately led to the capture of his father. Yet if everyone took a moment to step back and really think about it, his father was ultimately caught because he's the one that committed the damn crime. It's not Mm -hmm. like Christopher turned him in or anything. He, Christopher, was just unlucky enough to share the same DNA. Let, and then, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm getting He says... I didn't turn my father in. My father committed the crime, and he got caught. Exactly. It just happened to be my DNA that linked him. And it was, if people are giving this Christopher dude shit about it, you know what? Yeah, people, people in the neighborhood right are based, were calling him a snitch and everything. He's like, I didn't tell on my father. Yeah, it's just his DNA, you dumb fucks. Yeah, that's exactly what Get I was saying. Get up off his ass. You know? Yeah. He can't help but who he was related to. Yeah. He didn't tell his dad to go kill these women. Yeah, this sick son of a bitch was doing it way before his son was even born. He was raping. Yeah, he was probably doing it as far back as the fucking 1970s. He may have even been doing it in Germany. He may have been. And it was after World War II. There you go. Maybe he oh, was... and that's a side note. I wanted to bring this up. Remember? Side note. No, and it has nothing to do with this case, but remember when I was, we, we did Niles Hogel? And we right. were talking about Germany and their death penalty. Yes. I found out that the reason why Germany doesn't have a death penalty and they have actually written it into their constitution was because of the atrocities that happened in World War II and people were just being executed because. So to eliminate that in the future on any level, whether they commit a crime or not, they just eliminated the death penalty altogether. Germany, send your killers over here. I'll kill them for you. Yeah, dude. I'm good with that. Yeah, so that's why. Which I can kind of understand, but that was the whole, you know, reason why they did it. Actually, send your pedophiles over here, too. Oh, dude. I'll take care of them. Scott, I'll take care of them uh-huh. for you. He's got a nice set of pliers. I've seen them. Fucking pedos, man. <laughs> but so I'm done. Fantastic. Anything you want to add? 
No, I think we cover it all. You did damn good. You, yeah. I'm not, my brain's all drained. I'm starving to death over here. I know. Here. I'm kind of hungry, too. Feel a little emaciated. Yeah. No, because when I first picked up this case, I thought it was a Friday one, but he had no fetish involved. He was just killing hookers. Shoot them. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. man. That's fucked up. Mm-hmm. I actually, you know, I feel bad for the families of anybody who gets killed, Me by too. and large. But... If you're out there and you're and you're hooking on the street and you're a drug addict, your life isn't all that great to begin with. Right. There's a reason why you're out there. And a lot of it is mental health reasons. You know, depression uh-huh. and, you know, you can't get up on your feet. and You know what I mean? And a lot of it uh, from people that are in the sex trade, uh, you know, goes back to childhood issues yeah. of, you know, molestation exactly. and, and different kinds of abuse. And the self-esteem. They don't think they're worth anything more than that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know, so you're you're not batting a thousand right off the bat, and then you have this prick out there, you know, or other people like him, you know, you, you got people out there who want to beat you up, right. you want, you got people who want to keep you down, smack you yeah. down, and treat you like garbage. People who pick you up to have sex with you and say they're going to pay you and then beat the shit out of you because they don't want to pay you. Yeah, I've heard about that, yeah. It's like, you know, no. It's fucking ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I mean, although... I mean, although I've never been one, I sometimes there is many times when I empathize with them because I don't know their story, and everybody has a story. Everybody does. Everybody Maybe that's does. gonna be our, another podcast that we're gonna do. We is, should. Maybe we should start interviewing people and getting their hookers. doing in depth inside stories on people. Maybe hooker stories. We'll we'll do that in a in a production meeting. All right. This has been Brutal Nation. I've been your host Scott Alexander with my fabulous presenting co-host Tammy Underwood. Remember that you can send us an email at BrutalNation.cast at gmail.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. And since we all shop at uh, Amazon anyway, because I had a whole stack of packages come to me um, myself, click on that link that's on, that's, that we provide on our website. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and it helps the show out. This show is copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue uh, LLC. Don't sign off yet. You forgot to mention to look us up on Medium at, at BrutalNation oh, on Medium.com. No, I know. But it's My just bad. it's new because we just started it's it. It's the hunger pains. Yeah. I'm ready it, to eat the dog. If you go to Medium.com, search at, at BrutalNation and check out our articles there as well. That's right. It's a full blog uh, thingamajigger and we're, we're uploading more, more and more yeah, all the time. Yeah, we are. We are. Switching more and more over there because, you know, it's a great platform. It really is, Easy, you know. And, easier access. And I was checking it out. And what, what they ask, uh, you know, because they give you so many for free, but uh, to, to read right. Unlimited, it's only five bucks a month. Only five. Yeah. You know, and it helps. Believe it or not, it helps out the show more than you guys And there's a shit can. ton on there. You, I mean, you can read fiction. You can read nonfiction. It's all. It's amazing what it is. It's an amazing platform. From, from guitars to gutting people out, it is on medium. <laughs> you like that one? I do. <laughs> Yeah, from guitars to gutting. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was funny. But no. Yeah, they have everything on there. It's a gr- it is an excellent resource. It's better than Wikipedia cuz it's more accurate. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So All right. This show's been copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. I yeah, do dude. like that. Yeah. That's a starvation in me, man. I'm looking at you going, I'm going to eat your arm. All please, right. Yeah, to my bad arm, please. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.